one of the ways that God's incredible love is on display is through invitation. And, and what an amazing privilege it is and honor it is that we get to be the invitation through which people experience God. Welcome to a One Life podcast. One Life, as you may or may not know, is a grassroots learning collective made up of equippers serving classes BC, Northwest, and Southeast in the Christian Reformed Church. By providing events and resources centered around the five foundational callings of the church, worship, faith formation, servant leadership, global mission, justice, and mercy. On the show today, I spoke to the most quintessential Canadian chaplain position I've ever heard of, which is, of course, hockey chaplaincy. Yes, that's right. I spoke to Kevin Vanderveen, and I got to learn how he builds Kingdom of Heaven community at the ring. It was a really cool, far-ranging conversation about how you build community, uh, the type of ways that you just, as a Christian, make your presence known, and the tiny little impacts that you can make just by being yourself. We also got to hear his story, which was very powerful, uh, call to ministry, and it just really blessed me. So I pray and hope that this conversation blesses you as well. So here we are again uh, with another episode of the One Life Podcast. I'm here with my guest, Kevin Vanderveen, right? Yeah, Kevin Vanderveen, yeah. Sweet. Not too hard to, when, when you're in CRC circles long enough, it's not too hard to get pronunciation right and those kind of things. Um, and uh, um, you are a number of different things. Um, but the thing we specifically wanted to talk to you about was hockey chaplaincy and looking at what that looks like, uh, the specific context of Canada, um, how hockey, you know, one of our one of our most beloved sports, but then also chaplaincy, the spiritual side of things will be cool. But why don't we just start with um, with learning a little bit about your story, how you got to where you are and uh, what got you there? Yeah. So, I mean, the ministry story, I guess you're asking. My yes. Ministry. Yeah. Your call to ministry. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I grew up in the church. I got parents that uh, loved me and, and raised me uh, to be a, a Christian man. Um, yeah, my my story really is just sort of this slow, progressive love for God and and uh, love for the church. So there wasn't this this dramatic moment of change in my life; just a slow, progressive growing of love um, for the Lord and for the church. Um, my sense of call to ministry, um, it, <laughs> that's a little bit of a, a larger story, but it has a lot to do with, with my dad. Um, and so anyone who knows me uh, knows this story um, more intimately, but I'll share a little bit of it here. Um, the story of my family was that my, my biological father, uh, Roger Vanderveen, um, he passed away during uh, his second year in seminary. Uh, so he was called to ministry later in life. Um, my, my mom and dad got married then, and my mom joined him uh, full-time at Reformed Bible College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, they had my older brother. My mom was pregnant with me then in, in 89. And um, after going to seminary, it was in his second year that he, he passed away. 
very suddenly. Uh, it's hard for our family. Um, and there's a lot there, right? But um, after that happened, my mom moved back to Edmonton where I was born and raised. Um, I was five years old when my mom met uh, my dad. And um, so I, I, I grew up with, with my stepdad. But that's the makeup of our family growing up. And so that story of my dad's call to ministry had an impact on me, I would say, later in my life. I think a, a milestone moment in my spiritual growth, and I think in my, yeah, my sense of self, my growing sense of self, was probably when I was about 12 years old. Uh, it got recommended to me to join Army Cadets. Um, in enlisting in Army Cadets, I had to give my my full name, my legal name. And at that point, my legal name was was still Kevin Jared Vanderveen. I had the Vanderveen name, um, my biological father's name. And I had to choose whether or not I wanted to keep that name or go with the last name of my stepdad, uh, Houtstra. And so I think it was that moment of, of having to choose which name I was going to use that um, it started, I think, more of an internal searching and curiosity about uh, my own sense of identity. And it kind of launched me onto this journey of, of who is my dad? Uh, what legacy did he leave behind? And, and in learning his call story, it, it began to, to shape my own faith life. Um, so in those early years of my life, 12 to about 17, I was in Army Cadets. And I loved all my experience in Army Cadets. Got to do some, some incredible things, met some uh, really amazing people. Um, but the longer I was in cadets, the more I began to see personally that uh, my faith life was incompatible with military life. And, and it's not for everyone. I, I know really good, faithful disciples who are in the military. And so kind of opened up, again, this curiosity about where God might be calling me. This curiosity about if ministry might be a good fit for me. Um, and I remember the, the moment where I had some clarity um, it was actually it's actually a dream that I had. Um, I remember in this dream um, seeing in my mind images of my dad preaching. And I, I had those images because my grandparents showed me some old VHS tapes of my dad preaching. And it was like those VHS tapes were playing in my mind. And I, I heard God point to my dad and um, the, the faithfulness he displayed to his sense of calling. And then I, I heard um, that God wanted me to follow in his footsteps. Looking back, it's interesting to me um, how clear that voice of God was calling um, to follow that footstep. Because I remember waking up uh, after seeing this and after hearing that, um, and, and I knew with, with absolute clarity that, that God wanted me to go into ministry. Um, at that time, I, I was pretty convinced it was going to be into youth ministry. So I made the decision to, to stop Army Cadets at that time and then focus on my studies and prepare for what now I knew was the next step of my life. And so I took my high school years really to, to lead into my studies and, and prepare for that. Um, ended up going to Kuiper College. Uh, Kuiper College is a small Bible college in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, and then from Kuiper College... Um, had a really formative four years, um, made the transition to Calvin Seminary, um, in part because I had a scholarship that um, dictated that I went to Calvin Seminary. 
um, but also because I, I wanted to be pastor within the, the CRC, the denomination that I, I grew up in and that I love. I still had the desire to go into youth ministry at that point. Um, and, and some people have asked, well, why seminary if you want to be in youth ministry? And for me, it was always because I wanted to be a youth pastor who was theologically trained uh, because I thought that that was important. So that's that's why seminary was a clear next step for me. During my time in seminary, that sense of call shifted again, um, but it shifted from really focusing intently on youth ministry to focusing more broadly on church ministry. I found myself in my internship in a church in Godrich, Ontario, uh, Trinity Christian Reformed Church, uh, just a, a wonderful congregation, um, a really wonderful community. Um, had a great summer with them. Um, but as I gained experience in ministry with them, my, my sense of call started shifting to um, a love for preaching and a love for teaching and, and doing things in ministry that I didn't necessarily think that I would be doing or that I, I would love. But my approach into ministry shifted to, well, I can do more than just youth ministry. I love youth ministry, but I love these other things as well. And so I kind of opened myself up to more possibilities. When I came near my my uh, the end of my my seminary education, then uh, like most students, I was looking for um, a place to begin pastoral ministry. Um, I wanted to be ordained as a minister of the word, and the first place I landed full time was in St. Catharines, Ontario, at Covenant Christian Reformed Church. Um, I was one of three pastors on staff, one of five staff members. It was a really great fit for me starting out in ministry. I was young. Um, I knew I, I still had a lot to learn, and I stayed at Covenant for three and a half years, which was not what I had intended. <laughs> I intended to be there a lot longer. I wanted to invest myself further in the church, but I learned a lot in those years and, and came to a place where um, I just began hungering for something different. Um, around the same time, I, I got married when I was in Ontario, and uh, that changed a lot of things for, for myself and then now my wife. Um, but was looking for something different. Um, and that brought us to, uh, to Duncan um, here on Vancouver, Vancouver Island. Um, interviewed with, with Duncan Christian Reformed Church and a lot of our heart and our passion for ministry um, aligned with theirs. That, that it, was, it was, yeah, something that was gonna be good for both of us. And so um, went through a transition in ministry, which is always hard. Um, I left a community that, I, that I'd come to love uh, but knew that that the transition was was going to be good for us as well. When I arrived in Duncan and, and settled into ministry here, um, I, I went to a ministerial meeting, um, meeting the other pastors in town, and that's where hockey ministry for the very first time um, got introduced to me. Um, during the meeting, one of the pastors uh, shared that he had been uh, serving as the chaplain for for this hockey team for the past couple of years. And because of his schedule and his capacity, uh, he just couldn't continue. So he was looking to hand it off to someone. So that was the very first time that I, I heard about hockey chaplaincy. And I didn't even know that it was, was really an option or a possibility. Um, but I, I began thinking about um, what this, this could look like in terms of ministry and, and what it could mean for being a new pastor in a new place and, and having an opportunity to connect not only with this team, um, but also with, with the broader community. It, it really, for me, I think, combined 
two things that I love. I, I love hockey. Um, I grew up in a, a family that is passionate about hockey. We, we play hockey together. We watch hockey together. Not just my family, but my extended family. The, the Vanderbeen family is a very passionate hockey family. Um, so it combines that along with what I love, which is church ministry and, and the gospel. And so quite eagerly signed up, entered into this realm that I, I didn't know existed. And But that first season then, um, when the season started to come together, um, it comes together in the BCHL around yeah, around August, that's when some staff start uh, coming back to the rink. Uh, players come end of August into September. Uh, so I, I started going to the rink and, and meeting people and realized pretty quick that hockey chaplaincy, um, I think it begins and ends with, with your connection with staff members. And especially it begins and ends with, with the coach who in the BCHL also serves as, as the GM. Um, opportunities to connect with the players goes through the coach and the GM. Um, so I, I entered in really um, by making relationships there and, and seeing what had been done in the past and what they were open to, you know, presently uh, when I was getting going. Man, it's so, this is amazing, Kevin. Thank you so much for sharing your story and, and what led you up to this place. I, um, yeah, it's it's really incredible to hear the story, particularly the connection with your dad, uh, your biological dad, and um, just the seeds that were planted there, and how God has led that through to this calling. And then also interesting the connection between the military and um, and hockey chaplaincy, and then sort of a transition and a a sense of call moving in a different direction. Um, I'm curious from here uh, to jump into the similarities and differences between the hockey culture um, and team pastoring a team, basically, uh, as a chaplain, and then pastoring in the local church. What are the similarities and differences you see there? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think from my experience so far in pastoral ministry to my experience in chaplaincy, in some ways they're they're quite similar in that as pastors, when we get called to serve a local congregation, we get called into a context where there's an established culture, right? And, and I think many of us who pastor know that um, we're coming into a context, we're listening, we're learning, we're getting to know those people, we're getting to know the, the distinctives of the community, and then we're called to bring the gospel. And we're called to um, transform and bring culture change in, in some ways. Um, I think bringing culture change in, a, in the context of a, of a local congregation is, is actually quite similar to then bringing cultural change within the context of, of a hockey team. I, I kind of regard hockey chaplaincy for me as, as kind of like a second congregation in a way. So I, I not only spend time with the players and we have, have chapel meeting times, but um, I go to a lot of the games, and when I go to the games, I go there as the chaplain. And I think what's really powerful is that a lot of the, the season ticket holders or people from the community often come up and they ask, hey, what, what's a chaplain? What does a chaplain even do? And, and a lot of what I, I tell them is, is I'm here to, to be a support. I'm here to be a support system for the players, to give them someone to talk to, uh, to to check in with them uh, regarding their mental and emotional and spiritual health. Um, but I also do the same for the community in the stands. 
um, on a game day, rather than just taking my place and watching the game, uh, I'm kind of walking around, uh, talking to the community almost the whole the whole time. So I regard myself as being there as a chaplain for the community as much as I am also for the players. Um, and so entering into this other context where there's an established culture, um, as a chaplain, I regard myself at the rink as helping to bring some culture change too, right? So with the players, um, there's anyone who's been a part of hockey knows that there's an established culture in hockey. And so this is a time where I think chaplains can bring some culture change in the locker room, but also in the arena, um, looking at what's happening in society at large right now, um, all the reasons that we have to be divided against each other, I find that hockey chaplaincy can come and bring some kind of togetherness, some kind of unity. Um, for instance, I was at a game earlier this week and I was talking to one of our host families. So all of our players live with families in the community. Um, I was talking with one of our host families and, and the one thing he said just really struck a chord with me. He said, isn't it great that we're starting another hockey season and we have something here at the rink that brings us together. That regardless of our faith wives, regardless of, of what vocation we're in, um, what income bracket we're in, we can all come to the rink and we can, we can unite together around something. And that's cheering for our hockey team here. So I look at that and I think there is a reason for us to come together. And can this, can the rink, the arena, can that be a place where good relational ministry and where transformation can begin to take place. And thankfully, as a hockey chaplain, I can help be a, a catalyst for that. I can be, um, let's call it an, an agent of, of transformation with the gospel. Um, so in both contexts, church and I think at the rink, it's about culture change. Uh, it's about facilitating uh, transformation through the presence of God and through the Holy Spirit. It might be somewhat distinct in the way you approach your ministry, but I think at the heart of it, it is it's kind of the same in a way. That that's beautiful. I love I love imagining the similarities and differences, and seeing more similarities than differences. Because I, as you're describing chaplaincy, I'm thinking about the life of Jesus, right? And and um, he often ministered to the poor and the outcasts, especially hung out with non-religious people, um, but also and and affected a culture change there, right? Um, but also a lot of his culture change. Um, and um, reform was directed at religious people and the religious church. So I love, I love how you talked about culture change in two different spheres, and I actually saw a lot of the similarities there because in both cases, um, there's no perfection. Uh, one is good, the other is bad. They're both um, broken, and they both have beautiful things to offer, which I think is really cool. Um, I also love, I love the way you. Um, yeah, build the community just there, even at the game, that there's opportunities to talk and relate. It makes me wonder more about, um, yeah, just what what ministry, what is it that you love or what keeps you coming back to to hockey chaplaincy? What makes that, um, that particular um, calling unique, uh, exciting? Because um, that one thing you described is really cool, but I'd love to hear more. Yeah, you know, I think one of the, the things that rings in my mind is is something that my mentor uh, when I was in Ontario said. Uh, so I had a mentor in Ontario who he, he was pastoring a church plant in Niagara Falls, and 
um, I'd often go for, for coffee in Niagara Falls with him and uh, we'd have our mentoring meetings there. And, and one of the things that struck me about the way he did ministry in Niagara Falls was that he was known by everybody. One afternoon, we went to a pub for, for a beer. We had our mentoring meeting there. Everybody in the pub knew him. Uh, they knew him as, as the Rev. Took me to a, a cigar shop one time. He, he worked bivocationally, and so part of his work was in the cigar shop. Everybody knew, knew who he was. He was the Rev. Uh, it didn't matter where you went in Niagara Falls. You, you knew who he was. He was the rev. Coming here, one of my approaches to ministry in general was, you know, in a smaller town, what would it look like for me to be so in the community that people know who I am and know what I'm about? When hockey chaplaincy came up as an opportunity, that opportunity became more focused, right? So the question I was asking myself is, what would it look like for everyone who comes to the games to know who I am and what I'm about? right, to, to have opportunities to share about myself, but also to get to know people and, and have them know that I'm a pastor here. Um, I, I love the gospel. I, I, I believe every part of what, what the Bible says. And I commit my life to it, but, but also that I enter into relationship with people. Um, that approach then, you know, made its way into, into how I approach hockey chaplaincy. It's really, it's about relationships. Um, it's about listening to people's stories. It's about attending to uh, the, the challenges that they're facing in life. It's, it's being that constant presence. And, and I think as you do that with people, as, as you care for them genuinely, um, you begin to have doors opening to share the gospel in their life. So that the organization that I'm, I'm part of as a hockey chaplain is Hockey Ministries International. And Hockey Ministries International is really passionate about bringing the Bible into a locker room with the hockey players. And I think that that is, is an amazing opportunity when you can do that. Um, my own approach is that um, bringing a, a Bible into a locker room is earned. Um, if I were to, day one, walk into the locker room and say to all my players, hey, here's a Bible, open it up. Um, most of them would, would not want to come to chapel. And so in, in refining how I approach hockey chaplaincy, um, I kind of took a step back and said, I think the first step is, is really just to get to know my players, uh, listen to their story, get to know them to the point where there's trust and relationship together. Um, you ask them about them, and then they'll ask you about you, and a window opens to the gospel. If you do the same with the community, you're just a constant presence. You get to know people by name. You start asking them about, about their lives. If, if, you, if you genuinely listen, right, you ask them about them, they'll ask you about you. And you have this opening door to, to share the gospel. Um, I think what is, is so exciting to me is that uh, when you can just be in the community with people, when you're willing to to be a presence in their lives and listen to them, then the doors open to share the gospel. And I've seen over the last four seasons how uh, doors to share the gospel just keep opening. I guess one of the most exciting things that's happened the past couple of years, I got to know one of our players really well last year. Um, we, we went for lunch a number of times, uh, went for coffee, had good conversations. And then every opportunity he had, he, he came and worshiped at our church. Uh, him and his girlfriend and 
we began having deeper faith conversations. Um, and then a couple other players would come casually as well, would come to, to church. And we started seeing these hockey players who had no context with faith start asking questions and start attending worship and start getting involved in some of the, the events of our church. Um, and so there was this, this increased curiosity about faith, but also an increased openness to faith. And so I, I began to see how uh, the relationship with them started to bear fruit in terms of curiosity about faith. And even now, um, I'm still connected with the hockey player. He's moved on now, but um, commitment to faith, right? Curiosity to commitment, um, which is really exciting. It's, it's not just being a fan. It's, it's being the hands and feet of Christ who I get to facilitate you know, real touch points with the gospel. And, and it is resulting in people coming to Christ. That's beautiful. I love hearing about that that relational approach, and then and then seeing people move from curiosity to commitment. That that's a really neat, um, helpful frame to think about ministry. Um, I want to ask you more about the relationship between um, the hockey chaplaincy and your church. What that how that fits together. Um, what uh, your church um, feels about uh, the work that you do. How how do those things relate? Yeah, I think the church has been going through a cultural shift for a while now. And um, I think that shift is into understanding that church growth is connected to involvement in the community. Maybe stereotypical terms, right? But the old approach to, to church outreach was we open the doors and just invite people to come to church, right? So that's outreach. Um, we either grow the church from within the church or we open the doors and invite them to come. And the shift is happening. We're increasingly sending people out to the community to go and be in the community and form relationships outside of, you know, the church building per se. Um, I think that shift has been has been slowly taking place in the church and right? to go out the missional kind of model of church. Um, and I say that because when I started hockey chaplaincy here at Duncan CRC, there was there was still a little bit of of that being expressed. Right, like you're the pastor of our church. We want people to come to our church. And what excited me was about, you know, was was going to the community to share the gospel in the community. Um, and so the more I talked about this opportunity I had outside of the building of our church, um, initially the more resistance I got from the church community. I heard things like, "You're our pastor. We want you here." Right? Um, where for me, I think this was so exciting because. Beyond my job at the church, um, I had an opportunity to go out into the community and to be sharing the gospel with the community, which is what we as pastors are telling our churches to do, right? Um, that the Christian faith is not about being good Sunday attenders. It's about being disciples of Jesus Christ who go out to make disciples. And so I, I, I continue to encourage my church family. Look, if I'm encouraging you to do that on Sunday in preaching and, you know, in our Bible studies, and then I, I also have to do that myself. Um, I didn't want to be the kind of pastor that, you know, preached that well and then just didn't do that. So I had this, this great opportunity um, to also be in the community and to be establishing relationships in the community for the sake of, of making disciples and building the kingdom of God. Slowly and over time, I kind of persistently shared some of my experiences with the church and um, the posture has softened. 
And I think now going into my fifth season, um, as we as a church family have been shifting a bit of our culture to more of, you know, you know, missional be in the community, um, there's more of a celebration of hockey chaplaincy. Um, not just hockey chaplaincy, but missional outreach and engagement uh, from others in the community as well. Um, we're beginning to share with the church what God is doing in our city and in the couch and valley at large. And so what I'm doing as a hockey chaplaincy is all, as a hockey chaplain is only one part of what God is doing beyond the walls of our church. Um, the more we share with, with our community here, what God is doing outside the walls of our church, the more we get excited about going out into the community to be involved for the sake of making disciples. So I think it's, it's, it's something that I, I think the church has grown in their support of. Um, and maybe not to, not to put any fault on them, but maybe because they didn't understand it at first. Um, I think as we grow in our understanding of you know, come and worship together as the body of Christ and go out with the spirit to do ministry in the community, I think then uh, we celebrate the opportunities more. That's very well put and, and a wonderful, wonderful thing to remember and a wonderful compassionate take for those of us who are in congregations too, who are, are struggling maybe to see new models of ministry or to understand why mission is important. Um, a wonderful, um, yeah, compassionate take on that um, to say, you know, these things just take time and they take education and it takes time for people to wrap their heads around things that are new and that they haven't heard of before. And But good for you for doing that good work. Um, last question. Um, I would love just to hear, I love this last question Wilma wrote. Um, what have you learned about God, about the kingdom of God by doing this work? Uh, tell me about that. So one, one of the things that I, I've experienced here um, in my ministry at Duncan CRC so far, um, something that they that they were supportive of is a couple of years ago, I finished a doctorate of ministry um, on the topic of spiritual formation. And so I, I spent um, three years of, of pretty intense reading and studying deep conversations with my advisor and my, my fellow students and my cohort, did a lot of, of deep diving on that. One of the things I uncovered in my research and in my conversations was that God is a God of invitation. Um, when we're talking about the spiritual journey, uh, deepening our discipleship, you know, God is a God of invitation. Say that again. Um, I think where we see that maybe most scripturally is, is I think of Genesis chapter three, right? The fall has just happened. Adam and Eve have just sinned against God. Um, where are they? Well, in the garden, they're hiding, right? And because the very first time um, we see this in the narrative, they're hiding because they're uh, ashamed, right? They're afraid, they're ashamed, they're naked. They realize this, so they're hiding from God. And then what does God do? He comes looking for them, right? We, we hear God, he says, where are you? And, and God persistently comes and he invites. And then, then we find the exchange, right? We were hiding because we were afraid and, and we know the, the way that the story goes. Um, but in terms of the spiritual life, in terms of ministry, um, I've learned that God is a God of invitation. Uh, so here at, at this congregation, uh, Duncan CRC together, we've, We've really leaned into um, the spiritual life and the spiritual disciplines, which help us to respond to the invitation of God. Regarding hockey chaplaincy, at the rink, just like at church uh, in the congregation here, uh, God is a God of invitation. 
and I, I think my presence in the rink, my presence in the locker room uh, can serve as an invitation from God. Uh, God is inviting people into relationship with himself. Um, and, and I think through conversations and through opportunities to form relationships with people outside the church, uh, it's, it's teaching again that one of the ways that God's incredible love is on display is through invitation. And, and what an amazing privilege it is and honor it is that we get to be the invitation through which people experience God. I've also learned that people's perception, people outside the church, their perception of who God is, is shaped by who their perception of who you are is, right? We, we represent God. And if I'm going to call myself a follower of Christ, if I'm going to share the gospel with people, then they want to see that my life aligns with what I'm saying. In being willing to, to enter into that realm and that sphere, you are also opening yourself up to a lot of scrutiny. Uh, it's, it's difficult. People are going to question you a lot. Uh, they're going to examine your life. But you get that awesome privilege of, of being the invitation through which people can experience God. And, and he is a God of invitation. He, he wants people to be in relationship with him. Um, he, he also dictates what that looks like, right? Um, God reveals to us what it looks like to be in relationship with him, but nonetheless, the invitation is there. That is so beautiful. And a good kind of uh, call to all of our churches and everyone listening uh, from a CRC church or just from a from any church, any faith background um, or no faith background to what the gospel is and the amazing um, privilege that we have to be able to um, extend that invitation um, that we were given um, on to others. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful. Um, are there any last thoughts, uh, speaking of a call to our church, is there anything, last thoughts, you, things you'd like to share with the church, things that we didn't uh, uh, get to that you wanted to touch on that you'd love to people to think about or take home? Yeah, I think... I think hockey chaplaincy is just an incredible opportunity to bring the gospel into a space uh, where it is so needed. Um, and I think it's an example of other places in the community where I think the gospel is so needed. Um, I think if there's an encouragement, um, the encouragement would be um, to, to go as an invitation from God and to to find the places, whatever community you're a part of, or whatever opportunities you have, um, have the courage to go into those spaces with the gospel. Um, I think that we're guilty of, of comfort. <laughs> we like to be comfortable. We like to be in spaces where we're not uh, always challenged. And, um, and yet I think having the courage to go into those spaces um, there's great fruit that can come from that courage, great fruit that can come from being an invitation from God uh, to people who need to hear about God. You know, I think one of the things that I'm grateful for is that uh, there are many other chaplains across our country that are, are doing hockey chaplaincy. Um, I mean, other forms of chaplaincy as well, right? The fruit that that chaplaincy is, is providing, I think, is incredible. Um, so, yeah, just the encouragement, again, is I think just be willing to go into those spaces um, as the invitation from God. Pray for hockey chaplaincy. Um, pray, pray for chaplains that are, are doing this work. 
myself and, and others. Hockey is going through a turbulent time right now, right? If you've noticed uh, on the news what Hockey Canada has been going through, um, there's sexual abuse allegations that have been coming to light in, in different places, um, both in Canada, the United States, uh, different leagues. Um, I think to me, it, it just reminds me of the importance that we go to those places with the gospel, um, that light is able to shine in the darkness. You know, we, we believe deeply that the world needs the gospel. They need to hear. And, and how will they unless, unless we go? That's fantastic, Kevin. Thank you so much for sharing um, for your time with us on the podcast. Um, if someone wanted to get involved with chaplaincy, where do they go? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I, you know, wherever people are in context, um, I imagine, and so it, it is a growing thing. I imagine that there are probably chaplains in place. Um, I, I don't think it would be a hard, a hard thing to search up. Um, what chaplains might be actively serving and, and just to reach out and, and ask them um, you know, what opportunities are, are available. Um, you know, I, I, I learned about hockey chaplaincy through a, a pastor that was previously serving here in Duncan. Um, and that connected me to a whole ne network of, of hockey chaplains. Um, so, you know, knowing that there are chaplains serving different places across our country and, and even in the United States and other places, I, I think it's just reach out to some of them. Um, if, if you reach out to one chaplain, you're reaching out to a network of chaplains. Um, I also know that chaplains are people that generally are pretty passionate about their ministry. So if you reach out, uh, you'll probably have a lot of opportunity. I, I'm willing to answer any email, email that, that someone um, you know, would send and, and I, I'd be happy to talk more about it uh, with, with people that are interested in this ministry. Um, Wonderful, well, that is, that's awesome. We will uh, keep that in mind, and that's that's just great advice right there. Just reach out to a chaplain near you; they will uh, they will know where to send and be passionate. I I totally agree. I know some chaplains as well, and it's just I'm getting excited for chaplaincy, um, even though I'm uh, I already have a job. So this is awesome. Um, thank you, Kevin, so much for sharing your heart and your call to ministry um, story with us. Um, but your, especially for your passion for hockey and for chaplaincy, this has been a really awesome chance to connect. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, it's really exciting anytime I get to talk about it and share about it. And um, I'm sure that this podcast could go on for a lot longer. Uh, there's more stories to tell. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting what God is doing um, through this ministry and, and through other chaplaincy ministries as well. I believe it. Yeah, we will have to have you on again. That would be a, a great privilege. Awesome. Good, good. Thanks for being on the show, Kevin. On the show today, you heard Kevin Vanderveen, hockey chaplain extraordinaire. I'll be thinking about and implementing some of his ways of being in this next week as I continue to minister and chat with people right here in Chilliwack. I hope it was a blessing to you, too. For all your other One Life needs, including events, links, and information, you can find them at crconelife.ca. And if you have any feedback at all, or want to get in touch, or if you know someone who would be a great guest for a future One Life podcast episode, please email me at podcast at crconelife.ca. Thanks for listening.
Can lay them on the ground.